Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Spider-Man 2002. Two geeks have escaped the decadent West to live in Japan, the land of the future. Now, they spend their present reliving the past. But it's the future, man. This is the same day as the Star Trek one, and it's the future. If you listen to that one. We're now in the future, but the people listening, we're in the past. Oh, yeah. Because if they're in the present, we'd be, like, working or something when they're listening to this. I got it. Okay. Spider-Man. I do like me some Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, both of the hosts of this podcast, me being Matt. Me being Luke. Uh, we have our own Spider-Man costumes. I would have worn mine today because mine is here in Japan, but I realized if I wear the Spider-Man costume... It can't function the iPad we're recording this on, and I the gloves don't come off. You have to take the whole top off. Whereas my Spider-Man costume is a really thin morph suit one, so I actually could work the, work the iPad. But my Spider-Man suit is still in the UK. I bet mine looks more like Japanese Spider-Man. Mine looks great from the front, but on the back it's got the front of his costume repeated. Same here. It's like... <laughs> 2002, there was a Spider-Man movie. It was one in live action, not the animated action we'd seen before, except for the terrible 70s TV show and the Japanese Spider-Man who fights giant monsters. Otherwise, this is the first live action Spider-Man. Would, this, would it be fair to say this was the start of the modern superhero movie? Well, it thing. does. Uh, watching it, I haven't watched this movie for 10 years. And I did notice, oh, we have the Marvel credit flip right at the beginning, even yep. though it's Sony and all that. It's like, that is it. That's, that's the beginning of the thing we know now. So, so sure. Did X-Men, X-Men predate this? X-Men predated it, but it didn't quite have as much Marvel juice in it. Yeah, they tried to like dress them all up in black leather and shy away from the colors and the costumes and stuff. And I don't think they had the credit flip. I think I remember, I saw this in opening Yeah, maybe X-Men theater. 2 was when we got the credit flip. Possibly. I do remember seeing this in a theater and, like, noting it. I Well, yeah, I... Probably in my lifetime, this was the biggest event film. Mm. For me, personally. Yeah, what, what did I... I, I definitely noted this one. Uh, X-Men was bigger for me because I read the X-Men comic books um, religiously, but I did, you know, I had my Spider-Man series I read as well. Oh, yeah, well, I read a lot of comic books growing up because I had an uncle who collected all of them, so I could <laughs> read everything for free. But Spider-Man has all my life been my favorite. Um, I also feel like when the X-Men film came out, it was marketed mostly at, like, teens and adults. Yeah, they, they didn't really advertise it as a family film. I don't quite remember. But, I mean, we just didn't... Uh, I think Blade was the biggest success at that time, so that may be mm. the way to take it. And the Batman stuff, and everyone was trying to avoid doing another Batman and Robin, so... Yeah. 
But uh, I, I know this one went through some some weird morphs before becoming what it was. Uh, at some point, I think James Cameron was going to do Spider-Man. He was going to do Cameron. Uh, yeah, Cameron was going to do Spider-Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doctor Octopus. I could. And Doctor Octopus and Spider-Man got their powers in the same accident. Ooh. And Doctor Octopus also claimed that he was Spider-Man. Ah, because they both the had eight limbs. Room. No, but uh, just like no, no, I'm Spider-Man. I've also got eight limbs. How do they have eight limbs? That's Doctor Octopus's whole thing. Spider-Man doesn't have eight. No, limbs. but he's also, he's Spider-Man in a different way. Okay, gotcha. Arachnoid, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounded like uh, clusterfuck. But I do love Schwarzenegger, so I kind of want to see the world where that film exists. I can't watch Batman Robin, but, you know, you know. I can watch montages of the Schwarzenegger quips. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to please you. Is that even a real line? I don't think so. It should have been. My favorite is, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. That's not even correct. correct. (laughs) Jinx. Okay, so yeah, I saw this. I saw it with my father and a girl who was chasing me, who I wasn't that interested in. So I guess it's like she was Petey and I was MJ in that case. Hmm. I was like 11, so <laughs> I didn't go with the girl. <laughs> I did go with my mum and dad. Slightly, I did go with dad. Slightly before it came out in the UK, I think. They had a preview showing like the weekend before. And we went to that because they knew how desperate I was to see Spider-Man. There we go. Now, it was straight up opening night in my case, but mm. it was definitely opening night. It was a, you know, a night in the multiplex. But for me, this was the after... Uh, I do... Uh, I have my own costume, man, but, you know, I was, like, waiting for X-Men 2. Okay, Spider-Man, let's do that now. Now, in the long run, of course, I think Spider-Man's aging a lot better. <laughs> X-Men 2 has aged very well. That... Has X Men is pretty crap. <laughs> yeah, and then X Men Three happened, but then also Spider Man Three happened. Yeah, we'll get to those. At least some this of those. is all pre MCU, right? So it's like proto MCU. None of it really follows the thread. None of it matters in the MCU. It's all been rebooted or ignored. Mm-hmm. But uh, it it is the gestation period. So. Yeah, well, this was Marvel. Well, like we said, it's got a version of the Marvel logo at the start. Yeah, it's but almost they weren't their own film studio yet. It's almost quaint to watch now. Mm. Yeah, this, uh, oh, Avi Arad, is that, is that the guy who's in charge of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, um, because I know he worked on Iron Man, and shortly after that, the, it went to Kevin Feige. Yeah. I, Ke- oh, I, I know the name, but I can't pronounce him. when Disney bought it? He was involved on Iron Man, I believe, and okay. then was given the, the keys to the kingdom afterward. Right. But uh, in this period, it's, it's pre-him, yeah, yeah. so it's uh, not so real every, MCU. This is when different studios were buying individual characters making them one at a time, which is why we're now in the position where X-Men and Spider-Man and stuff are struggling to join the MCU. Right. So why don't you give us a tour of the movie that they call 2002's Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi. Should we talk about that first? (laughs) Sam Raimi? Yeah, he did a superhero movie before this. Did he? Dark Man. I did not know he made that film. He made Dark Man. In my head, it is just Evil Dead. Spider-Man. Well, Army of Darkness is practically a superior yeah. film anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, then Bruce Campbell shows up in these, so. Anyway, uh, we're not going to get to it too deeply in this podcast, but yeah, if, if you're up for it, have a little comparison with Darkman and Spider-Man and see what that gets you. I haven't done it for a while. <laughs> okay, anyway, on to the film.
Peter Parker is an ordinary teenage boy played by a 30-year-old man. He's friendless, he's a geek, he loves science, he lives with his aunt and uncle, he's got a creepy obsession with the girl who lives next door, and then one day, on a school trip to a science museum, he's bitten by a spider. Not radioactive, radiation wasn't interesting by the year 2002. It was genetically engineered. And the spider gave him the abilities of the spider, the proportionate strength. He can stick to walls. He has a precognitive spider sense. He's got superhuman reactions. He can shoot webs out of his wrists in this one, which is gross. And then, as any teenage boy suddenly given superpowers would do, he decides to make some money, buy a car, impress the girl. He goes to a wrestling show. Apparently in this universe, wrestling is real, but let's not get into that. Then, uh, after the show, he gets screwed out of the money he's owed. He has, as he's leaving, an armed robber tries to steal the rest of the money from the wrestling organizer. Spider-Man, still pissed at him, lets the robber get away. Not his problem. Later, he discovers that the robber has shot and killed his Uncle Ben. And he realizes that, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Meanwhile, Spider-Man's uh, best friend's dad is also given superpowers in an unrelated accident because in all of these superhero films, apparently everyone gets their powers at once. And then he becomes the Green Goblin and they fight for not very well explained reasons. Peter graduates, he becomes a photographer for the Daily Bugle he defeats the Green Goblin, he decides not to go out with the girl because it would endanger her or some bollocks like that, and then he goes on being Spider-Man. Even that brief overview of the plot felt like overkill. Everyone is tired of Spider-Man's origin story at this point. <laughs> you put much more meat into that than the following. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, once the origin's out of the way, there isn't much of a plot to it. There's just there's a good guy and a bad guy, and they fight a bit. Yeah, but that, that is a superhero movie up to this point, and to a certain degree, it still is. Yeah, they definitely try and be more interesting these days. They at least give the villains... Like, Green Goblin does not have very clear motivation. It starts off as angry because he lost his company, but after that it is just, I am strong and I want to I be in charge, so I'm going to attack things. Yeah, but when he first shows up, I like how Willem Dafoe as um, Norman uh, almost seems okay. Norman Osborn, I should say his full he name. He seems as nice as an act character played by Willem Dafoe can come across. Well, here's what I have. He, he has only like a thin skin covering him over condescending fuck. Oh, did you understand it? Your parents must be very proud of you. Yep. What? You don't have parents anymore? <laughs> that didn't even come up in the movie. Those damn one percenters, they'll be, they'll be first up against the wall. But, so, part of me feels like Willem Dafoe was wasted because he's such a perfect Green Goblin. And then they put him in that stupid Power Rangers helmet for most of the film. <laughs> no, that, that was the worst thing. I mean, honestly, the, the worst complaint we can have against this movie is some dodgy CGI, which I think I feel more than you, and that damn helmet. Cause... Yep. But, yeah, you've hired the man with the most Green Goblin face in all of Hollywood. And the scenes where he doesn't have the helmet, he's chewing scenery like nobody's business. But then 
all the scenes where he's meant to be a supervillain, he's just got to do this arm wave and head wiggling stuff because he can't act. But but it does allow us for one of the most amazing movies in this film, uh, movies in this film, one of the most amazing scenes in this film where he talks to his mask. That's great. Yes, that's good. Also, talking to the mirror was fun as well. <laughs> the mirror is great, but I really love the mask. Just sitting on the chair. Let's yep. just, let's just yep. chat with the mask. Uh, oh, yeah, they had a lot of fun with it. If you want to show someone is going nuts, that's a fantastic way to do it. But uh, we're talking about Norman now, so how, how do you rate him as a scientist? Um, apparently, he can build both very impressive, like, aircraft equipment, and also can do genetic manipulation. So he's pretty, got a pretty broad range of science skills there. And he doesn't seem to have so many R&D men, does he? He just does it. Does it himself. He tests it on himself. Yeah. Does Elon Musk do that? Well, I mean, he only builds things so that he can feel cool, so I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) He needs a space car next. That's what Norman needs. Space car. He didn't even become a a glider on some weird, wibbly-wobbly thing. It's not a very practical device. (laughs) Do you remember in the comics when the Green Goblin first showed up, he didn't even have the glider? He had just, like, a big tube rocket that he sat on like a broomstick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ditko. I wish, I wish we'd had a scene of that before we got the glider in the film. <laughs> but this is really, I mean, that's one thing we were talking about more modern MCU where they really do nail the look of the comic book a lot more. Mm. Uh, the fact that they even got the costume reasonably right in this movie was nailing it way harder than any movie had before. Mm. So I remember, as I was watching it this recent time, I realized why it feels like an event and a spectacle in a way that modern movies don't because there was so much stuff in front of a camera. Spider-Man's suit was real. The Goblin suit was real. He was on a... Barely. Prop. <laughs> for, but for the, there were a lot real, of scenes where they were in real yeah, costumes yeah. on in front of the camera doing stunts. I'm Even if those stunts looked pretty dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were implying that most of the scenes you were CG, no, but no, no, no that was no, before no, they no. started doing that. Like... Even between the first Iron Man film and Endgame, in the first film he does wear like a Stan Winston suit for a lot of scenes. And by Endgame, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. was in armor for a single shot of that film. There's still a lot of, I don't know, for me, I, the practical effects are fine, the mask notwithstanding. But I, I, watching again, I did feel like there was more gloopy CGI. Now, I watched a DVD that came out on release day of the DVD where you could choose between the widescreen and pen and scan. So it's mm. a little archaic at this point, but it, it looked a little gloopy here and there with the practical effects being fine, but the CGI I'm being not saying the CGI gloopy. was perfect, but at no point was it bad enough to take me out of enjoying the ride. No, okay, I, I will definitely... And I think the worst CGI is all in the earliest parts of the film when they're trying to show him doing Spider-Man stuff when he's not in the very easy-to-CGI costume. Mmm... When he's in that homemade costume at the start, it looks like it looks very fake. By the time he's in the Spider-Man costume, because it's very smooth shapes and stuff, he can swing around fine. But um, I, I I did notice very early in the film there's a very X-Men-y effect sequence. Is that, that's after oh the title after, sequence? Right? No, it's after that. It's in the lab, I believe. Oh no, it's after he's been bit, right? Bingo. When he's and it having zooms his in on his skin and yes. you see his DNA with spiders crawling on it. Exactly. I was like, didn't I just see this? In, I, I remember in the theater thinking, didn't I just see this in X Men? Every superhero film did that in that period. I think the Fantastic Four ones do it as well. Okay, I didn't and make every X Men sequel as well. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was the done thing apparently. Well, you go to a theater now and the five trailers before the film. It's like they they've already made this. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> 
the last film me and you saw in the cinema was another Spider-Man film. So. Yes, that is true. Um, Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire. How's that, how's that uh, <laughs> balance out for you? I remember liking him at the time. <laughs> and I've heard quite recently from friends the argument, Tobey Maguire was the best Peter Parker, but a bad Spider-Man. I don't... And I just, let me finish. Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man, but a bad Peter Parker. Hmm. And Tom Holland is the best of both. I do not think Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker. He's a creepy weirdo. Yeah, I was about if to yell at you about If he was alive today, he would be on the internet complaining about how all women are whores because they won't sleep with him and then he'd shoot up his school. Well, here, here's what I, I got my notes here. Here's what I wrote. Tom Holland seems like a groovy cat who just doesn't get it. Garfield was too edgy and cool. Maguire is creepy. Yeah. He's like watching Mary Jane through the window. He's taking like pictures of her for five minutes. Every time she's talking to him, he's just like giving her that creepy smile and not responding. And he doesn't know how to interact with human beings. There were so many scenes in this film where so another character would finish talking and a normal human being would reply, but Peter Parker just stands there and awkwardly smiles and <laughs> shuffles in his place. So it's like... And that, that might even be okay. And it is because we like this movie. It's a good movie. But <laughs> it might even be okay, but this movie basically castrates... Peter of his scientific prowess. Yeah, yeah, he's a geek without being, like, a genius. Like, he's been accepted to lab, but he didn't do anything to speak of. I, I guess he stitched together a groovy costume at some point, but that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's um, tailoring skills. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't... Obviously, he doesn't make the web shooters, which, no. to this day, I think is a terrible decision. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, he also doesn't use science at any point in the film. He doesn't beat the goblin by outsmarting him. He just punches him harder and then dodges. No, like, it's a, it, I, I was actually kind of blown away watching him. Like, that is a knockdown drag out. Like, I don't feel like... I like the fight. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just smashing each other through walls, like, dragging each other around. Real physicality to yeah, it. Yeah, Peter, like, clearly gets his ass beat for a while. But which, then he gets angry, and then he beats the goblin's ass for a while. And it's but, just, but even modern films, you know, Black Panther gets his ass beat, but I don't think he's, like, half hanging out of his costume. No, he doesn't look... The, the last time <clears> I remember seeing this was... Endgame. Cap at the end of that. Oh, right, but that has so much build-up. This is just yeah, yeah, yeah. the fight where yeah, he this gets is his ass kicked. First movie villain, and he's just, yeah, he's, it's brutal. Okay. But that's, that's sort of the Spider-Man thing. He's, not, he's never at the cosmic level. He's always just kid in a suit. Right. So when he gets punched around, it shows. <laughs> exactly. I'm, glad, I'm glad they capture that here. And, and the newer movies don't do that so much. Um, a little, but they get him. So they get, what they do is put him in his, his uh, you know, throwing together costume in Homecoming, which I thought was that great. That was good. But, that was good. Yeah. And I'm sure they've shown him like bad and bruised post fight. But yeah, during the fights, you never see the costume getting torn up and stuff anymore. MJ, a bit. I'm going to read you a line I wrote. Um, I thought I, I, I thought Dunst was cute from back when she did Dick. What's dick? Okay, okay. Uh, sorry, it's a, it's a comedy movie about um, some girls. What are they? Something about Richard Nixon. It, uh, it was. I, I enjoyed the movie. I can't quite remember the plot, but I was, you know, seventeen. I was like, oh, she's cute, and she showed up a few more movies. She up here. Oh yeah, I like her. She's cute. Uh, everyone around me thought she was dumpy. I like her a lot. Right. She is cute in a dumpy way. Okay. But she's not MJ. She's. Yeah, she's like the convenience store cute girl. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually what they cast her as. I don't think... I yeah, don't they cast her as cute and that girl next door. I don't remember MJ in the comic books being this white trashy. MJ in the comic books is literally a supermodel. And she is a... The reason... Right. 
I'm going to go on some Spider-Man stuff. The reason MJ is the best superhero love interest, because she wasn't written as that. Gwen Stacy was the love interest, and MJ was the party girl. So she was never created to be the one Spider-Man ended up with. So, which is why she was allowed to actually be a character. And she has personality, and she's got her own life, and then she became way more appealing than the love interest characters who were just created to be Spider-Man's love interest. So why does this movie push her into so many uh, Gwen Stacy situations? Because Spider-Man doesn't meet MJ until really long into his career. By, like, in this movie, he's still in high school and he's already known MJ all this time. But in the comic books, he had like Liz Allen in high school and then he had Gwen Stacy at college. And then it was oh, towards crap, the end of college, college is when he finally meets MJ. Ah, so that's the thing. They keep trying to... They keep making Spider-Man films where he's in high school but trying to bring in the love interest from later in the story. They get him out of high school pretty fast in this one. In this one, one he, yeah. He, <laughs> before, in fact, I think he graduates before we see him in the full costume. Right. So yeah, but there's never the whole he is at school and being Spider-Man. Yeah, good point. Okay. But yeah, so the point is in the comics, by the time Peter Parker meets MJ, he's not this awkward, weirdo, creepy loser anymore. He's come out of his shell. He's been Spider-Man for a few years. He's actually a functional human being. Right. Okay. I, I got a big hole because I, I've read most of the Ditko Spider-Man. Mm. And I read like the McFarlane one where I believe he's already married to MJ. He is. He's already married to MJ. And so I kind of yeah. missed all those uh, in-between years. So I think maybe not, not obviously on release and don't think even in order. I have read all of Spider-Man up until Brand New Day when I sort of dropped off because I hated that. And then... Picked it back up around Superior and read all the way up to the most recent sort of big Marvel reboot. So I've read most of Spider-Man. Uh, to be honest, I, I, I've read more Spider-Man than most people have, but I don't think I ever made it to the Clone Wars. So it's okay, McFarlane I, Ditko for me. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, part of the reason why I love Spider-Man so much is the, the soap opera element. And also because it's the one comic book where you can just read this one character and he doesn't tend to get involved in the big crossovers and stuff quite as often. True. Um, I want to touch a little bit on uh, James Franco, Harry Osborn, shitty wingman. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a crap friend in this. <laughs> he kind of... He's kind of a bit of an Anakin Skywalker situation where we're meant to care later on about their friendship falling apart, but we never get to see him be anything other than a shitty friend. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, watching, you know, we, we, James Franco is still pretty in the scene, and seeing him this young was a mind-blower. Because Tony McGuire was like, yeah, it's Tony McGuire, but James Franco was like, whoa! Although, as I mentioned in my synopsis, no one in this film looks like they're in high school. True. Like, um, the worst one for me was Flash Gordon, Flash Thompson. Oh, yeah, that was total horrible a, casting. If you I, put a moustache on him, he could have played J.J., <laughs> like, he looked like he was almost 40 I've got a fantastic note about that somewhere Oh, oh okay, Flash is actually a little too douchey Yeah <laughs> Too douchey for Flash Yeah, and that's, that's douchey That might be the age in there Yeah, well, yeah, because it's a 30-year-old man who's meant to be beating up high school kids <laughs> One more thought before I go on uh, Ben, 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 Ben Johnny Cash would have been a good alternative I, The actor's great But Johnny Cash would be a fine alternative for Ben He was probably five years too old by this point But, uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ben was okay But 
Uncle Ben is a character who exists to die to set Spider-Man up. So right. he's always just too nice. But you have like, to put like a decent actor in the role. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like Wayne's World job. where it's uh, Wayne's World 2 where he shows up and there's a gas station attendant he's like, "Can't we find a better actor for this?" They bring in Charlton Heston. I don't remember that. That's a good gag. Okay, anyway, <laughs> that, that that's that's what you need for Uncle Ben. You need yeah, a Uncle good ben. actor who's going to get himself capped. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this guy does a fine job, but last part, Bruce Campbell uh, he's Re- not that douchey in this one. He's not douchey, he's just here, and I love he's seeing just, Bruce Campbell. I remember being a, like amazed Bruce Campbell was here, because at the time it was just Evil Dead for him, and I was like, wow, yeah, Bruce yeah, Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's just the wrestling announcer in this one, right? Yeah, he's, That's it. That's a Raimi cameo. He's got to be in a Raimi movie. So. <laughs> Talking over each other. Moving on. Yes. When ultimate potential is possible, you must do all that is possible to reach that ultimate potential. If you can do a good thing for a person, you have a moral obligation to do that thing. I like mine. I'd like yours. Yours is fun. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's get into this slightly more uh, dilettante Spider-Man. Uncle Ben dies, but and he gets his ass kicked, but I don't feel like he gets the hard knocks of a real Spider-Man. Um, so, interesting. So, at the end of this film, the Goblin does the whole chuck his love interest off the bridge thing, right? Right. Which in the comics is how Gwen Stacy dies. Exactly. And here he saves the girl. Um, so I remember reading around the time of Spider-Man 3. So in Spider-Man 3, he gets the black costume, and it's way more of a dick than <laughs> comic Spider-Man ever was in the black costume. And more goth. But they, the theory was because Spider-Man never, he never learned, he learned responsibility, but he never learned humility. Uh, and this Spider-Man always saves everyone. And he blows out in the end because he blows it with MJ. He's like, I, I have to be who I am. He didn't say it that way at all. But uh, yeah. like if he had the humility, he'd go with what life gives him. And in this right. movie, he's just uh, shoving it aside. Yeah, in this movie, he's, this is a world where he is the only superhero. So... This Spider-Man is way too big for his boots <laughs> compared to the Spider-Man from the comics. Mm. Who is, you know, he's just a kid doing his bit. And, and I guess that's the thing we're talking about. Uh, you know, we have a 30-year-old playing a high schooler. He, he never has the innocence. No. I mean, we, we watched the ones today, Tom Holland. And, and again, Tom McGuire's fine. I mean, he, he didn't he do def- a bad he job. He definitely but... looks like he's 1960s comic book Peter Parker. But... Yeah, he does. But Tom Holland seems out of his element at most times. Yeah, and, and that, like, and that's why he gets he does the quips well because it's he's nervous and he's covering for his nerves by making quips, which is what Spider-Man should be doing, right? Mm. It's a defense mechanism. Is why Spider-Man's always making gags. He doesn't do much of it in this movie. There's barely any of the quips. Yeah, he uh, he does about as much as a standard action hero. Because I remember watching Andrew Garfield and actually enjoy I enjoyed the first uh, of his movies and really got down with it when he did start making the quips. Yeah, yeah. Um, Homecoming Spider-Man definitely does it in Homecoming and the two Avengers films. I don't know if he did it much in Far From Home. Mm. But he's not really in a position to because you never see him fighting goons in that one. True. 
And uh, we, we've talked before, and we probably will talk again about how I had so much of my own high school trip going into that. I would have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I didn't really notice either. It was Rob, actually, um, mine and Matt's colleague, mentioned it to me. And I thought, yeah, I guess he didn't quip. But thinking about it, there weren't really any scenes where he would be quipping. You're not going to quip at a fire monster, and you're not going to quip at this guy who you absolutely hate because he betrayed you. So <laughs> you're going to yell at him, right? Um, so looking at our, our Green Goblin, our big baddie here, um, he also has his own drive. So Spider-Man uh, may not be driven enough here. He's not really getting all the Spider-Man needs. Although in a 2002 film, that's I guess all you're going to get. Uh, Norman Osborn is also very driven. Yeah, his are well. It's it's it like, starts off well, and then there's never really a reason why he carries on the way he does. Well, let's get to it. He's he's gonna get his funding his funding cut, his funding cut. He's gonna get his funding cut. <laughs> um, so that's why he rushes to give himself that the powers. Damn military industrial complex. Who cares if insanity is a side effect? See modern society. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I should yell that like Alex Jones or something. If you're new to luster, then search for. Pentagon tested gay bomb on Iraq. But that's almost what they're saying. <laughs> I, know. I mean, that'll drive you nuts before you become a Green Goblin. <laughs> it is. I mean, the military's job is to drive you nuts enough to kill people. So, and and I did just have to notice that uh, the sign of Osborne Corporations is green. That's uh, that's yeah. telegraphing it in. <laughs> but yeah, so well, very few comic book villains work as well in a single film as they do when they can have the long-standing rivalry they do in the comics, right? So in the comics, he's fighting Green Goblin for years before you find out he's Norman Osborn. <laughs> exactly. Whereas here, you know from day one. They still have to tell it. They, they fake that a little bit. They make it, like, it's obvious to the audience, but they have to, like, telegraph it several, telegraph it several scenes later with uh, Peter saying uh, things like... He knows. Exactly. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, he knows who I am. That That is definitely uh, telegraphing it a bit. We all know at this point it was clear. You had a I scene about it. This film, it does my literal least favorite thing in film and television, which is where they flash back to a scene in the same film. Flash Thompson. It's when he, because he <laughs> lets the robber go, and then five minutes of film time later, he's fighting him. And it flashes back to show you that it's the same guy. Like, remember, we're, we're he's also a really distinctive, huge bald spot on him. It's like there's no way you'd not notice this is the same guy. But what if at that moment you had your your head in the popcorn and mm -hmm. you might need it? What if you you're took an a idiot. piss <laughs> or you're an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> so how does the costume uh, rate with you? Which one, the Spider-Man one? Yeah, costume. You already talked about Green Goblin. Yeah, I know. I mean. It looked. I loved it. I loved it at the time. My issue with it, uh, my issues, issues with it are threefold. <laughs> Can I get mine first? Go on. I just think it's ribbed for your pleasure. Yeah, well, that's part of it. Okay. It's too impressive and complex. How did Peter Parker make that? With those, like, three-dimensional webbings and those shiny eyes? Even in the Garfield one, we see him make it, and it looks kind of believable. It still looks too good by the end. And then in the... Tom Holland one, it has got like Iron Man helping him make it. Well, it's sent to him, yeah. Yeah, and we've seen his homemade one, and it looks like what a 15-year-old kid would make. <laughs> but in this, it's, there's no explanation for why he can suddenly make this phenomenal costume. There's a montage or two. This not movie really, definitely though. loves montages. Yeah, but there's not really a making the costume montage. We see him design it, and then we see the crap when he wears the wrestling, 
And then the next time we see him, he inexplicably has the really good one. And then even for his career, it's like Spider-Man goes straight to battling the Green Goblin. We go with a Ghostbusters-style montage. We, yeah, we get a montage of him fighting crime. It's like Ghostbusters, like, oh, they're experienced now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Although, I remember my one complaint with the Andrew Garfield one is we didn't even get that much. True. We never actually got to see him just being a superhero. I think that's why I noticed the montage here. Yeah. (laughs) But hey, at least we got to see something. Um, So yeah, then my second problem with the suit is actually just that they've designed him to look too buff. Just like that Luke Skywalker figure. Yeah, exactly like that Luke Skywalker (laughs) figure that we saw. But like, to me, the appeal of Spider-Man is he's meant to look like a real skinny little kid. And then it's amazing when you see him doing the lifting something heavy and punching huge dudes. But here he just looked jacked. And also, he looked nothing like what Peter looks like when we see him out of the costume. Well, he's pretty jacked he's, once he goes through his action sequence. He's toned, but he doesn't have, like, rippling biceps like he does in the costume. Those are clearly rubber muscles. <laughs> and then, yeah, the eyes, like, despite the fact they went so advanced with it, the eyes don't move. And before that, we get the wrestling costume. Peter's costume plan seems a little flawed and fruition. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, He's talking to himself on the way to a ring because his costume's so, so crappy. Yep. And, and then he just goes directly to awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no middle step. It's like the origin is out the way. Now the audience wants to see Spider-Man. So here is Spider-Man. I've had two dreams, lucid dreams as Spider-Man. I would love to have a lucid dream as Spider-Man. Both of them were in the Garfield suit. Really? Yeah. Which one? The first movie. Okay. So the Interesting. One, the one, the one that's the not quite Spider-Man-y, right. Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, both lucid dreams had that suit. But I've got a real love for slightly off Spider-Man costumes. Mm. So I love like the clone one, the Garfield one, Miles Morales, like Secret Wars, all these slight variations. Well, the dreams, right? Really Here's the tickle. thing, maybe I should like this one better, maybe I should like the new one better, but I like the Garfield one better <laughs> because of that dream. Before yeah, that, it was sense. not my favorite. I've had two dreams now in that costume. Huh. I even owned my costume and it looked like that. I wonder if it's because in the first Garfield film, we actually got some point of view shots of Spider-Man web swinging. I bet that might have done it. The dreams were not close to when I watched the movies, but, you know. It yeah, yeah, but it, that's the only your... version in your head of seeing through Spider-Man's eyes, right? There's a little bit of that in here, though, isn't there? When, like those crappy, when you say they can't quite make Peter web sling, don't they have some POV shots? Oh, uh, maybe a little. They, yeah, like they show him, like, shoot out towards that sign and stuff. Yeah, a little bit of swinging, but yeah. But yeah, not like a fall through the city. Yeah, definitely get to it more in the later ones. But, you yeah. know, it's 2002. That, like, I, I don't love the CGI, but they did a good I job. I think the web swinging looks okay. Oh. The C, in fact, it's not CGI that looked bad. It's a couple of shots where they try and, like, Star Wars-style green screen people web swinging, <laughs> and that normally looked pretty bad. There's one shot which I'd never noticed until I saw it as a gif. It's when he's just rescued MJ only swinging, holding her. And she's clearly holding a mannequin in a Spider-Man costume. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a very organic shot to begin with. I didn't notice that, but... Yeah, that, you, you don't notice it in the film, but when you just see that clip on a loop, it's very clearly just an unmoving model of Spider-Man. You just have a little Spider-Man to... toy, you throw it up in the air, mm. and, and then, and then the, the friction of the wind would make the, the little web parachute come out. That was awesome. That's very cool. It was cool. I wonder what happened to that. Probably ate it, because I was I... five. And I was uh, probably the Christmas after this film came out, actually. My uncle bought a set of the Spider-Man, like the gloves, and then you attached the silly string. So it's like a web shooter. It wasn't... 
it was a, a, a real web there's shooter? A or are these but yeah, disgusting like a, web shooters? No, it's a, yeah, it's one you wear, <laughs> but it's like a huge canister. But literally, we'd taken it out of the packaging, I'd put it on, I'd fired it, it went immediately in his <laughs> eyes, and we never played with it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, uh, we won't harp on it, but I have like eight notes in here about how disgusting the organic web shooters yeah, are. They're gross. They undermine the character. It was unnecessary to do this. <laughs> and how awesome is it to have this little wrist things on there? That's oh, the yeah, it's such a huge part of Peter Parker is. It's not just the powers that make him amazing. And you're killing so many plot points because Peter He's runs out of, web out of web fluid. fluid. Right, yeah. that's a, always a nice plot or point. Or the villain it. damages it or anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that can't happen here because he just jizzes out of his own wrists. Okay, before we move on to our our final critique here. Um, did you ever see the trailer for this movie? Not at the time. I did. I've seen it on YouTube since. <laughs> you want to hit it? So, trailer, which actually I would have loved if I'd seen it. Theater it was, I saw it, it in the theater before. It really teases. You don't know the Spider-Man for a while. It was a great trailer. Helicopter being chased. Helicopter is caught in a web, which is suspended betwixt the twin towers. And man, early two thousand one. Ah, that's awesome. They, they late 2001. That Was it late? When did I see it? I must no, have... late 2001 is when you no longer think that it's awesome. No, no, exactly. I'm just like, I, I remember seeing it and thinking it was a fantastic trailer. And then not too long after being, oh, that doesn't age well, does no, it? I remember reading around the time um, they talked about the decision. They cut out any time Spider-Man landed on the Twin Towers, but they decided not to remove them from the shots. Ah. I think it was about the right. About also the right Zoolander. Then. Yeah? Zoolander came out like a week or two after 9-11 with... Twin Tower shots. Ah. So. But, um... And Bowie. <laughs> I just wanted to, now that you've brought that up, talk about the... So towards the final scene, we get the classic New York comes to Spider-Man's aid scene that every Spider-Man story has to have. Oh, God, I have a... I, uh, talk, but I got a quote. But that there. felt like... I'm sure that was already in the film, but it definitely felt like a very post-9-11 scene to add. Okay. But the bit that's always stuck with me, one of the dudes shouts... Can I... I want to do this. Can I do this? Go on. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, says the mook. Yep, that was great. The one I was going to bring up is the other dude. He says, your goblin, I got something for your ass. <laughs> but the way he intones it is not, I got something for your ass. I'm going to, it's, oh, goblin, I've got some cream for your hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> it's the intonation. It's, I've got something for your ass. Like, oh, I know you've had trouble with your ass recently. Here is something for it. It is a metal costume. It can chafe. Yeah. <laughs> the intonation on that line is so off, and it's bothered me since I was 12 years old. Spider-Man 2002, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Peter Parker. I was going to say starring J.K. Simmons. We didn't talk about him. Yeah, shit. the best actor in the film. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in it that much, but he is great. No, he's... I remember even as a kid just sitting in the theater, and the first time I was just like, that's J. John Jameson. He stepped off a comic book page. And we had the same reaction with Far From Home, and there's a spoiler <laughs> cutscene. Or end, cut scene. End, end, cut scene. <laughs> <laughs> he was a cut. He was an credit scene. But like that, I uh, don't think there's ever been a more perfect piece of piece of casting 
in like comic book films. That's Other than maybe Patrick Stewart as Professor X. That's just because I like him because he's the other bald guy I know. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, like Jameson was so perfect, and everything in the Bugle was just spot on. <laughs> Jameson was perfect. Then you had Robertson there. Um, the deals. Yeah, there was the contracts. <laughs> um, Betty Brandt, who I, I don't know on my recent rewatch, I noticed can't remember her name, but that actress is in loads of stuff. <laughs> All we were missing was Jimmy Olsen. No, that's Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I'm just trying to piss you off. <laughs> I mean, Peter Parker basically is Jimmy Olsen in this. So. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> but yeah, like... He doesn't get capped like he did in The Man of Steel, at least. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but yes, yeah, so we, we, that is a fully warranted footnote to uh, bring yeah. that man up. But yeah, then um, he was so perfect that, like... He's still there today. I know, yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> Amazing just didn't even try and have a Jameson because you can't recast him. No. And then Marvel's just like, well, we can't recast him, just bring him back. He's even a little too old to do it now, but he's still perfect. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he just turned up as <laughs> Spider-Man's Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the rest of the movie, uh, how, how's it holding up for you? Well, not as well as Jameson does. <laughs> it's still a really fun film. Like, as a Spider-Man film fan, I still have big issues with it. As a piece of cinema, it's not perfect. But as a romp, it's fun, and it delivers enough of what I want from a Spider-Man to be enjoyable to sit and watch. Yes, it's definitely an iconic Spider-Man film, and you can show us to anyone. Uh, I have a little more issue with the CGI, because uh, I just don't like it. Also, <laughs> did, like, you, watched, you watched it on, did you say you watched it on DVD? Uh, that might have like not on a, hoped. Was it like on a nice TV? It was on a reasonably Yeah, nice I watched TV. it on my laptop screen. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I said it before, but let me reiterate, I was watching the bought on day of release DVD where you had to choose between widescreen and pan and scan. <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah. know, take my CGI uh, slander again, with a I grain of salt. A lot of films which the CGI looked okay back in those days, when you watch the Blu-rays, CGI looks awful. So some so of you, you 4K pro- you folks... You might have watched it in the best way. Yeah, some of you 4K folks get back to us. Uh, Tommy McGuire does a fantastic job, but he just isn't quite right. Yeah, Tommy McGuire... With what he's given, does a good job. I just, I find him, and also I re- like really liked him early on. Hmm. And also I think when we get to like two and three, I'll like him more because we see him struggling. Right. In this one, he's Spider-Man's got a struggle. Yeah. In this one, he's like he's living with Aunt May, and then he just goes and lives with Harry and has a real nice, like crazy nice apartment. Yeah, he's not like so trying we never to see him down on just his stash his costume in the closet real quick. Or we we we, we yeah, get we that any disturbing that puberty scene where he's spurting yeah. web fluid all over the with some Dr Pepper product placement. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not cool. But uh, so, yeah, but like, I think he improves in Spider Man Two, and he's just been bettered by Tom Holland. I think. Yeah, I think most but, of the complaints are that we've just seen other elements of the character but also, since. That there's just hit. just some of those scenes were just so awkwardly like blocked where he was just standing around smiling creepily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, just just to throw it out, um, his Peter Parker here does work perfectly in a different place. Yeah? He basically does the same thing again in a movie that I don't think is actually that well regarded but I like quite a bit which is the, um, the uh, Great Gatsby Leonardo DiCaprio, did you ever see that? Oh, I haven't seen that. He, I plays, he was even in it. He plays the same naive as the, the narrator, the right. guy who narrates the book. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he still has, he has the naivety, he has the creepiness that he shows here in Peter Parker, but in that case, I thought it was great. A lot of people actually don't like it, but I do. Also, 
maybe it's just the fact that in the 17 years since this film came out, like, the geek has inherited the earth. So now it's no longer, like, if you're the nerdy science kid, you're not, like, the creepy outcast so much anymore. And actually you can be... So maybe it just doesn't feel as natural anymore to be like, oh, well, he must be this weird and unsociable yeah. if he's into science. That's even a hard call for me. Uh, one of our, our things with this podcast is we live in Japan. Mm. Uh, woo! And I haven't been outside of Japan for 10 years. Okay, so it's right. Like I barely even get the, cha- the sea change. And, um, you know, I see it in movies. I can read a report, but I, I'm just not... I'm not in the thick of it. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there are still geeks who are, like, social outcasts, but it's because they're weird, creepy dudes. It's not because they happen to like Star Trek or comic books or science. Well, we have those here. They take pictures of uh, trains and yeah, uh, upskirt. I will say that, well, <laughs> apart from the upskirting, being a geek is, has always been a bit more accepted in Japan, hasn't it? Mm. You, you get chanto, you get serious about it. But, like, yeah, now, like, now the Marvel films are literally the highest grossing films on Earth. <laughs> so like it's no longer weird and out outsider to be a geek. It's the norm. No, I stroll around in my Spider-Man costume or my Star Trek shirts these days. I don't give a crap. So like yeah, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is still geeky and awkward and you, well, know, you can relate more because but, ev- but he can relate. Everyone's a geek. He has friends. <laughs> like that doesn't make him an outcast. That mm. just means just a type of person. But he still has friends. He still is in a social group. He's in a club. It's very different. Being a geek is very different now than it was then. It is. And I, I honestly don't quite understand. But here's the thing. I, I, I geek out however I want, and I do it however I want. And I happen to be in a place where I can do that, so I, I don't necessarily know the ramifications. But I, I guess that's true around the world now, which is groovy. So maybe Spider-Man should be revered as a, a geek blast to make everyone happy. <laughs> I have no idea what that sentence meant. I don't either. Geek <laughs> blast, geek blast to make everyone happy. Right, okay. I thought you were going to say it was a geek blast from the past. That rhymes more, I like it. That also okay. makes more sense than what you were trying okay, to say. Okay, it's a geek blast <laughs> from the past to make everyone happy. Oh, no, no, I don't, I don't understand what the to make everyone happy bit means. Okay. <laughs> so, when you made this film to make everyone happy, you have to have rollicking action and explosions, and you still need to have that, but... Maybe the conceit is here, oh, people cannot relate to Peter right. Parker. Now they can, and this film had to like make a case that you could relate to Peter Parker. Even, oh, okay. and, it, and it kind of made him more creepy in the process. Yeah. So we can almost like not even I slight guess, the filmmakers. Yeah, they tried to, okay, what's the one bit people can relate to? He fancies a girl. So they made that his like defining character trait, and that ended up making him such a creep. He didn't notice enough. You want to hear my story? Before you end things? Okay, I have it written down here somewhere. Give me a moment. So he spiders, that damn military complex. We did that. It's in the notes somewhere. I'll edit if I've been looking too long. Bruce Campbell, Peter's costume. Where the hell did I write it? I saw it, like, not long ago. Here, say something interesting. The web-swinging sound effect does not sound like thwip. Oh, crap! It just sounds like... Mm, Good point. Uh, when this film came out, the same year, I, I worked outdoors, and I went, um, in Pennsylvania, summer school, summer, mm. summer camp. I was, uh, teaching science. And they sent me to pick up underprivileged students from Queens. Huh. And so I went there, I, I ate in, like, an East African restaurant. But, uh, one thing watching this filming, I was like, oh, yeah, that's where I went, that's where I, it, it, the, the, the Queens setting was solid, maybe more than the MCU things are now. 
Because now I see the Museum of Great Britain. Everything, yeah. And I'm like, that's a high museum in Atlanta. I used to go there all the time. Anyway, I didn't find my story. Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we're pretty much done. We're pretty much done. Uh, Next time, we're going to get out of the superhero realm. We're going to give you a bit of a blast from the past to the distant Armageddon future and do a bit of Logan's run, I think. I'm excited to do this one because it's a film that I'm not so familiar with. Oh, I, I will talk your ear off. Well, we're going to watch one, it, so... Is, well, you're going to watch it, of course. Uh, this is Matt. This is Luke. This is our sci-fi sanctuary. And we bid you a groovy good evening, or morning, or afternoon, or 5 a.m., or something else. And please, get on all the social media accounts, and send us photos of Spider-Man! Matt and Luke's Sanctuary is produced by Luke Summerhays and Matt Comages and edited by Matt Comages. Music is from the Groovy Groups on rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. You can contact us at mlsfspod at Twitter or Facebook.